Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on why we killed 209. A study on why we killed Like we always do about this time. Boom. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 349 of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. I'm your host in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me on this rainy Sunday morning is the Brown Recluse, Mr. Art Show. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions. Guys, what the fuck is up? Guys, go to kmancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. They got the coffee beans. They got the hibiscus. They got cacao butter. They got everything your heart desires. Use promo code AMERICA at checkout to receive 50% off. Tell Mark Jacob sent you. Take a picture of yourself drinking fucking nitro cold brews. Yeah. I think we said Jesus holds a record of like 10,000 nitro cold brews in a row. Um, so yeah, try to beat that record, man. Yeah, he's okay. even moved on to like drying it out and then like, like uh, piling it up like with his razor blade and like snorting oh, it yeah. up and shit. He so. does like autoerotic asphyxiation <laughs> with like nitro cold brews, <laughs> like where he just like chokes himself with like a can. He's that crazy, dude. He's crazy. But, but he guys, loves the pro- stuff. <laughs> if you want to have sexual fantasies while you're chugging caveman coffee, you enter yeah. promo code America for 15% off. Yeah. Use promo code America. Tell Martin Jacobson. Aren't Jacob sent you? That's all I got. Yeah. So speaking of sponsors, guys, no, uh, her products will not help your autoerotic asphyxiation. But I mean, I guess you could like tie up like one of the shirts and like use it as like a, you know, makeshift noose, if you will. But don't do that. It's not what they were made for. Guys, I need everyone head on over to SucreApparel.com where the great and powerful Nicole Smith-Bosch has put together an illustrious array of merchandise for your consumption and wearing pleasure. Guys, we don't need you to be like Jesus Fuentes and hang yourself in the closet like David Carradine, you know, from Kill Bill and uh, Kung Fu The Legend Continues, if you will. But buy everything that you love, want, and desire. Valentine's Day is coming, guys. Maybe buy something for somebody that you want, love, or desire. And from Sucre Apparel. She has a lot of things that would impress those of that ilk. But anyways, guys, before you hit checkout, I need every single one of you to enter promo code Art and Jacob, and Nicole will give you 10% off your entire purchase. But Art, we're not here to talk about what you should do or not do 
uh, for your lover or potential mate on Valentine's Day or the sexual habits of Juan Jesus Fuentes in the closet of his bedroom. (laughs) Art, what are we here to talk about today? We're here to talk about a topic that has been long overdue. I'm very surprised that... What is what episode was this? Three forty nine. Episode three forty nine. Uh, it's been a long time coming, I suppose, but we're finally covering the Roswell incident. That's what we're talking about. Roswell, New Mexico. Correct. Really, really Corona, New Mexico. But yeah, that tripped me out, dude. Yeah. Like when, like when I was doing all my research, like the distance between Roswell, like which to me like it is doesn't stand out as a big city. Yeah, it doesn't uh, at all. But like the fact that it happened in a city seventy five miles away, which is like when you put it in like Bakersfield per- perspective, right? Like that's like from here to Magic Mountain yeah. that the actual place took place or took part. Or what am I trying to say? Well the actual event, the incident took effect was is like from here to Magic Mountain. Yeah, I I agree. I, it's pretty far. Originally, it, when I first heard it that it was not in Roswell where it happened, I kept thinking like, oh, that that must be like the difference between like Oildale and Bakersfield, you know, they're <laughs> just like, down the street kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, they're right there, right next to each other. But the reality is like they're pretty far away. Yeah, like, you're doing an hour and some change of driving. Yeah, they're that's a stretch of the imagination. The fact that. Roswell has become like the hotbed of UFO activity. And it didn't even happen there. Yeah. yeah. And that's a fact. That's not just conjecture or whatnot. Um, what I thought was amazing during this, uh, doing the research process, and mind you guys, this is going to be a multi-episode um, topic that we're going to be doing for Roswell, is that there's no through line with the story. Yeah, there's like facts attached to this, but usually like I was telling Art before we started recording Usually, like, when you do, like, you know, for example, Project Blue Book or whatnot, right, where, like, you have government secrecy, conspiracy, you know, and all things like that, there's usually a through-line narrative that can be um, looked at and regurgitated for podcast purposes. Uh, But for this topic, like, depending on who you're talking to or what source you're looking at, nine times out of ten, you're going to end up with a different story. And even... In my head, when you pitch Roswell, what I thought it was going to be is like, hey, there was an alien crash in Roswell, New Mexico, right next to the McDonald's, shaped like a fucking spaceship or whatever. Crashed into the side of the mountain. There was dead alien bodies all around there. Uh, Somebody happened upon it. Uh, The military came in immediately within seconds, you know, confiscated the bodies, confiscated the aircraft. Uh, Then they took a picture with Lieutenant Jesse Marcel and they said it was a weather balloon. Then it came out that it wasn't a weather balloon. And that's the end of the story. Boom, bam. Thank you, man. Tell your mama and your boo-boo, too. Mm-hmm. See you next week when we give you our top R. 10 J. favorite. Go up to America. Yeah, our top 10 favorite pornographers yeah, yeah, next yeah. week or whatever, right? Yeah. But no. There is like a million different stories that go in a million different directions. And the actual narrative that you that's probably also inside your head is kind of false. Yeah, I I didn't know. I thought I knew the story and I knew it pretty well, but the more details that I looked into it, I was like, "Huh, I did not know that. I did not know that it didn't happen in Roswell." Mm-hmm. Somehow we'll call it the Roswell because if you call it the 
the corona, corona alien crash nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about <laughs> but if you call it the a- uh, roswell alien crash then people are like all, oh, all you gotta yeah. say all you gotta say is roswell oh yeah <laughs> roswell yeah that's well, yeah. all of a sudden you become like you're from wisconsin or something like don't you know there's also a fucking like shitty tv show called roswell yeah i kept thinking about that too isn't it like on the cw or some shit i don't know but in researching this i realized that there was a shitty tv i didn't know that until oh, really? doing this i was like I typed in Roswell and I was like, well, that's all you need to type. Here we go, Roswell. <laughs> and it was like, Roswell TV show on the CW or whatever. <laughs> the WB. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. It looked pretty bad. It looked like Twilight kind of shit. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. I remember like it came up like when we were doing Project Blue Book and the Men in Black episodes. Mm, yeah. That show? Yeah. And I was like, oh, let me check out. Does it even minutes. have to do with aliens? I think so. Oh, it does. It's pretty bad. It's like those like Saturday at like twelve noon TV shows, like Stargate SG One kind of bullshit oh, or whatever. Well, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. No, I mean, I, digress. I, I, do you remember? Um, or like Jag Smallville. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Where Superman's like a teenager. Yeah, and shit. like it looks like that kind of stuff. Like I assume that they did that, but with like an alien that crashed there, but he turned out to be a really handsome. <laughs> like he's like, oh, he's handsome, but he's, he's an alien. He's got dark hair and blue eyes. Yeah, when he jizzes, he jizzes blood. <laughs> he jizzes human blood. <laughs> he has a horrible. kidney stone. <laughs> oh, that sounds horrible. Check out uh, the Patreon to get that dude. joke. But anyways. Uh, when we talk about Roswell, we're also talking about the summer of 1947, which is a very significant time period in history. It's literally like a couple summers removed from the ending of World War II, uh, two summers away from us dropping the bomb on fucking you know Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, it's also considered the first summer of the Cold War, as coined by author Catherine Olmsted. Um, also 1947 is very important because it's also the beginning of the flying saucer craze. Uh, I saw some numbers being thrown out there where like somewhere between 800 and 1600 flying saucer sightings were reported during this time frame that Roswell also happened in. So we're talking about from like about June through September of 1947. Let's just do the bigger number, 1600 flying saucer reports were reported to the media. You know, it's funny a lot of, I see that a lot the whole cold war thing and like I understand that they're giving you perspective of what's going on there, but um isn't it isn't it strange that like it's really ma- meant to make you believe like people were on high alert and like feeling pretty paranoid and anxious. Like I always think that like it's a, it's an important detail. <clears throat> But people were looking at the skies, and like whether people like it or not, there, there were tons of reports of of alien sightings at this or like UFO sightings. Yeah, that, and yeah. and um, and like it almost reminds me of just remember a couple of years ago, like at the beginning of the year during the Super Bowl, like we were getting like after that Chinese spy balloon happened, we started seeing a bunch of like other things on radar, and the United States was shooting things down and being like, "But well, we shot it down, but we don't know where it went." And mm-hmm. like being like, well, that doesn't make sense. What? How'd you shoot it down then? Um, like, it's a really strange thing. Like, maybe it's a thing that happens every like sixty years where they come down and like check on us a lot or something. But uh, pretty strange, pretty strange uh, phenomenon. Yeah. So I mean, whatever path you want to land on it, it is important to note that yes, 
flying saucers were in the sky. Now, if you talk to ufologists, they think it's because of, oh, yeah, we had just dropped the atomic bomb. Oh, yeah, Roswell, New Mexico, the RAAF, the Roswell Atomic Air Force Base or whatever you want to call it. You know, the 509th Squadron, they were the actual pilots that dropped the atomic bomb. They were the ones that were actually testing, you know, the atomic bomb and whatnot. So you had all that atomic uh, knowledge at that one um, military base. It wasn't, I don't even think it was the Air Force at that time. I think it was still the Army. Uh, But you do, like, throughout history, get, like, wherever, like, there's nuclear facilities, you do get a lot of, I'm not going to say alien, UFO sightings and whatnot. I mean, for Christ's sakes, those Navy pilots, you know, the video that they released and whatnot, you know, there's a nuclear site not too far away from where they were flying at. So you do get to see that. And it's, it's important to note, like, this is, like, when it ramps up. If you talk to the skeptic side of it as well, like, it's important to note that, yes, during this time frame, um, the Cold War gets brought up a lot because at the end of the World War II, you have, like, this big scramble to grab scientists from the former Nazi Germany. Hell, our space program was, you know, pretty much designed after what the Nazis were trying to get to. You know, that Saturn V rocket that goes to the moon or doesn't go to the moon, if you talk to Art, uh, was basically um, (laughs) science that was from a Nazi scientist. And at the same time frame, um, on the other side of it, you know, the Soviet Union, they were also using... Uh, Nazi technology as well, which they had their own kind of crafts that looked like flying saucers. I know we've covered that on a few episodes. So um, on both sides, like it's it's interesting to note that a lot of this is coming together uh, during this time period. Now, you mentioned that like a lot of people throw it out there that it was the beginning of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, again, the first summer of the Cold War was 1947. And a lot of people were seeing like these flying discs, flying saucers becomes like the term to use and i believe it was actually the u.s military that actually coined the term flying saucer and when we think of flying saucers like you even said it yourself oops sorry is that um lisa ann talking no it's a thing on the history channel that it's for uh more let's just listen to it hey you know what So basically, keep your house clean. It's a commercial on the oh, okay. channel. <laughs> I have no idea. But anyways, the flying the term flying saucer, you know, I heard it being thrown around that the US military was actually coined it. And when we talk about flying saucers today or UFOs, you even said it, you're like, we immediately we think extraterrestrial. We think of alien. But it's important to note during this time frame in nineteen forty seven, UFO, flying saucer, those terms, it didn't automatically default to extraterrestrial or alien it automatically went to like, oh shit, we're just coming back from a time frame where, you know, England is getting bombed by the Nazis, you know, where, you know, Japan, you know, is, you know, bombing Pearl Harbor. The, the, when we look up to the sky, we're thinking like, oh shit, the axis of evil is coming to get us. So when they said flying saucers in the media at this time, we automatically defaulted to, oh shit, is this Soviet technology via the Nazis? Yeah, I I think that that's... And- I, maybe I should have done a little more research before I say this, but you know we've uh, I think we've referenced the the Battle of Los Angeles thing that happened, um, where really it happened mostly in like Santa Barbara, where people were seeing lights in the sky and basically start shooting like fucking 
like literally shooting into the sky mm-hmm. and people did end up getting hurt because that fucking bullets fall down. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they were shooting at something. There's pictures of like something in the sky, but mm-hmm. there was, you know, definitely people were on high alert and maybe people were seeing what they wanted to see. Maybe they were freaking out over things. Satellites were satellites already a thing. I'm not sure, but we do know that there was spy technology, you yeah. know, coming at us from the Soviets, coming from the access of evil, the old yeah. access of evil and whatnot. So we were being spied. And at the same time frame, we were spying them as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's very, I wanted to put that in the very beginning of this episode because those are the actual facts of the matter kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but basically what happens is, is, again, there's no clear date of what happened in Roswell or Corona, New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, but pretty much in between mid June of 1947 to early July of 1947, uh, there was a farmer, a rancher, a Mr. W.W. W. Mac Brazel, who found debris scattered all over his ranch. Mm-hmm. And again, depending on what story that you want to land on, it was either miles of debris screwing upon his his ranch. Or uh, a small amount of debris uh, scattered a- across his ranch. Uh, but basically, and this is uh, across the board, whether you talk to skeptics or ufologists, he actually let it sit there for a long period of time because he's like, wow, I don't know what the hell this is, but it's got nothing to do with me. I just need to take my sheep <laughs> down to the watering hole. That was a big thing. That you know, it was more of an inconvenience for him that the sheep were not going to the watering hole because the debris was in the way. And um, you know, we mentioned I don't know if we mentioned it while we were recording or off off air or whatever. But uh we had talked about last podcast and left and they say something that's like really interesting where they talk about some people do say that it was like it looked like a debris feel, like very biblical. Like I can only imagine like if you're going to start a movie, like that would be the opening shot of like mm-hmm. walking towards the watering hole only to see like debris for miles and like firing blaze of like wreckage or whatever. Yeah. Like that is pretty impactful, but I really doubt that that's what happened because it, you would think if that's what he saw, he would probably, you know, be on his way to the nearest town to make a phone call, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Cause it's important to know, like he didn't have any electricity he didn't have any phone, and he also didn't have any radio. So he's basically living like in a time capsule yeah. <laughs> out there in the middle of the fucking New Mexico wilderness or desert or whatever, whatnot, right? But like you were saying, like his biggest concern was like, dude, I have a job to do on this ranch, and that's to fucking get my sheep to the watering hole. Make sure these sheep don't die. Fucking chupacabras yeah. is not that <laughs> far away, man. Yeah, it's a couple decades away and shit. <laughs> So um, he did say too. He goes. He goes. Yeah, they they didn't want anything to do uh, with that crash site. You know, whether you're talking about a miles long crash site or if you're talking about like a couple feet. And he said that he had to. It was so. It was big enough to where like he had to take his sheep around it the long way, the long path to get to the watering hole. Yeah, definitely. To me, the you know you have to read between the lines because once again there is a lot of like misinformation it's either of biblical proportions where it's like a massive thing or it's like a single air you know single engine plane crashing somewhere and like it's like well that's fucking inconvenient yeah (laughs) but but he actually 
to his own admission, he didn't know what he didn't even know what to make of it. He thought it could have been a plane, but wasn't even sure. No, he thought it, he was like it could have been a weather balloon, but it didn't look like a weather balloon because I guess they went down on his ranch all the time, so he's very familiar with what a weather balloon looked like. He didn't, there was no engine or anything to be found, so that's why it kind of puzzled him and or kind of like made him feel like, well, it's no big deal because there was nothing mechanical that could be found. I think later on he says like all he found were like rubber strips, tin foil, paper. Um, basically what's balsas, balsa wood sticks uh-huh. and tape, like scotch tape with like little floral prints on it and whatnot, uh-huh. right? And so it, either So one, even that becomes like a point of like- Contention. Contention, because the military is like, well, we used, like, we'll get more into that, but even that, like what he found and what he actually said becomes a thing of like, this is what he actually said, but, but he really didn't even say that much. He didn't yeah. really even talk to anybody. So I don't yeah. people, like. It but was... either way, though, like <laughs> whether you're following like the skeptic side of it or the ufology side of it or whatnot, right? Yeah. It was not that important enough for him to gather it up right away. For him, he, whether this happened like in the middle of June or at the beginning of July, he let it sit there for a period yeah. of time. Like, can you? But like, I can only imagine if sounds fucking, like my kind of dude, to be honest with you. Dude. I can only imagine <laughs> if some fucking like kite falls down like in the middle of my fucking lawn here or whatever. Right? Yeah. I'm cleaning that shit up right away. So is that not big of a deal for him to let it sit there for a couple of days? Keep in mind, if not a right, couple this weeks. is a large space, right? It's like, it's like his priority is make sure these sheep are good. Make sure everything at the at the farm is like this is like way before you could just fucking turn on the water faucet and fill up a glass of water <laughs> yeah. this is like we gotta go crank the fucking th- like the every, well. everything was like not easy back then so t- I, I assume for him to see this is like oh well shit gonna have to deal with this like you know like a month what's a month to a farmer like they're <laughs> thinking of like th- terms in like years of like i gotta make sure the soil is good for the next two years so i can like harvest corn or whatever like you know so it's like i i kind of get it like it's not a typical thing where it's just like you know and he was completely you know like we mentioned no phone no internet obviously like no newspaper he got a newspaper once a month i think yeah and so like it's not like he was super in the know like we are now where it's like you could fucking turn on your phone and get fucking Donald Rumsfeld just pooped himself. You know, it's like, (laughs) like, it's always like, you know, it's all in your face all the time. He didn't even know that there was even like a fucking UFO panic going on. Like he was completely blind to all this. Yeah. He just knew there was a bunch of shit in the middle of his fucking ranch. More work. Yeah. Another fucking (laughs) thing that I got to deal with right now. Right. And some reports had him there on the ranch all by himself. Some reports had him living there with his family uh, some reports had his family living elsewhere and that he only had like a ranch hand with him. Other reports said that it wasn't no ranch hand, that it was actually like a neighbor. Other reports show that like he had a neighbor, but the neighbor was like five miles away. So the story is like super convoluted. So yeah. basically what I'm trying to say, if I misspeak on something, it's because I'm trying to look at a hundred different stories and trying to like narrow it down. No, no, absolutely. I mean, most of the things that I, so the history channel, which I was like, I'm not even going to take notes because they have it written down like, really well on here that was source one for me the wikipedia page yeah listening to the last podcast and the last up mm-hmm. left episode and then also the day after roswell book which i was like i'm just gonna download and listen to it on audiobook 
But that book doesn't start till the military shows up. So all this information, he's like, I don't know about all that shit. All I know is when I showed up. Yeah. And like, I'll start telling you about that. So like, even this part of the story is the most like, the details are like so like, like believe what you want to believe. Whether it's mm-hmm. a fucking like Boeing. 1037 or whatever the fuck <laughs> what was the flight that went missing the fucking bosnia mh370 oh, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. like fucking yeah. maybe it went back in Some, time it crashed on uh, his... it it was like samoa or no malaysia malaysia, malaysia. yeah malaysia yeah yeah, flight, yeah, yeah whatever yeah yeah it went through a time portal and went to roswell <laughs> new Me- or corona new mexico and shit yeah. so that's what it was i would say so so anyways what we're trying to say is we don't know the actual through line of this but what we do know is somehow, some way, he does become abreast of what's going on in the summer of 1947, uh, whereas there's this huge flying saucer craze. And basically what we're talking about is is also in the summer of 1947, June 24th, uh, Mr. Kevin Kenneth Arnold in Mount Rainier actually sees a flying saucer, which is another topic unto itself. Uh, a few uh, days later, uh, July 4th, uh, you have the uh, Flight 105 uh, UFO sighting in the Pacific Northwest, basically in Washington. Uh, then you have the Rhodes UFO photos uh, in Phoenix, Arizona that happened July 7th. Uh, the Twin Fall, Idaho incident, uh, July 11th, which can or cannot be considered a hoax. Also, the Maury Island, Washington, uh, there was another UFO incident that happened June 21st. Um, So these are important because they could be potential episodes down the line. Uh, But what we do know is that sometime around July 5th, either um, Mac's uncle, again, different stories, different, you know, tellings of the events, tells him about all this stuff that's going on saying Mm -hmm. hey by the way two years ago we ended the great war and holy shit all this stuff in washington and in phoenix uh is they're seeing all these flying like little plates like these little you know like grandma's like china plates it's like they're kissing and they're flying through the air doing all these weird things we don't know if it's the soviets we don't know if it's hitler Mm. we don't know if it's the jews getting their comeback on them or whatnot right so he either his uncle tells him this story Or another retelling of events has him like going into town for supplies on July 5th, the day after 4th of July, and going to a bar. And all the bar conversation is talking about the current events, which is this crazy flying saucer Mm. craze of the summer of 1947. That's the one I choose to believe just because that's the one last podcast. (laughs) 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 I mean, yeah, once again, this is, and then keep in mind, like, Actual quotes from this guy from uh from from Mac Mac Brazel mm-hmm. like actual quotes of him saying things is really hard to come by. A lot of it is like this happened or this happened or like you know like there's actual like little to no things of him saying actually mm-hmm. this is my side of the story type of thing. This guy for the most part was like he's quiet. He's a quiet like farmer like keep me out of it type of thing. But if you do follow the the storyline of he went to a bar and everybody was like jazzed about like, have you heard about the aliens? You know, just a few days uh, prior to this, there was the the big report in over Portland, Oregon, where people were seeing lights all over Portland, Oregon. And, and, you know, it was it was buzzing all over the radio Mm -hmm. and people were like, oh, my God, this is like world of worlds. Like, you know, like like what's going on? And um 
I, he hears that, and I think right away, like obviously, this is kind of where the story starts. You know, wherever you know, you know, choose your own adventure book here. Correct. But we all get to the same point where he is like, "You're talking about aliens." I'm pretty sure an alien craft just crashed in my fucking property mm-hmm. because there's a bunch of shit and I can't identify it. It does not look like it's there's no motor in it. I thought it could have been a plane, at least from what I had heard. He thinks it, it was like a, a plane, but it mm-hmm. was like, and then the weather balloon thing happened. But anyways. Yeah, the only quote I could find in regards to what you're saying goes, I'm sure what I found was not any weather observation balloon. But if I find anything else besides a bomb, they're going to have a hard time getting me to say anything else about it. And I think, yeah, that's like the only thing that he really says out loud. Yeah. Other than that, you know, you're kind of on your own of like his thoughts and opinions on mm-hmm. on everything. But news gets out. He basically says, hey, I did find something. Come check this shit out, my dudes. Yeah. And this is really where like the story, the picks, story up. picks up and and literally becomes more convoluted because it's like, who do you believe on this one? Yeah, and again, like, there's always two paths you can take. Again, like Art said brilliantly, it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure book. If you go down the skeptic road, and I'll say it on both sides, like, there's a lot of, like, stuff out there, a lot of data to look at or whatnot, right? But if you land on, like, I'm going to be a skeptic, you're going to have to overlook a lot of things that could support, like, this is, you know an extraterrestrial thing. But then also too, if you land on what ufologists go on, you're also going to have to ignore a lot of terrestrial fact as well. Uh, But basically again, like art said, July 6th. So July 5th, he becomes abreast of what's going on in the summer of 1947. So July 6th, he actually goes to Sheriff Wilcox of, you know, the Roswell of Roswell, New Mexico and tells him like, Hey, you know, um, there is something on my property. Uh, you probably want to look at it. Uh, I think it might be alien or extraterrestrial or UFO or one of those flying saucers in nature. And so he's like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, you're just crazy Mac Brazzle. Like, well, you know, that fucking sheep herder out there and whatnot, right? And this part of the story kind of gets, like, overlooked a lot. But at the same time that... Um, then Max talking to uh, Sheriff George Wilcox. George Wilcox actually gets a phone call from the local newspaper and the local radio station and saying like, hey, like, do you guys have any stories uh, that you want to give us? Is there anything interesting going on in town or in the county at all that you can give us information on? And he goes, you know what? Actually, I do have this guy here saying that he found potential flying saucer debris scattered across his ranch. So they get wind of that so right right away right away like you have like the media that has like this information like oh shit there's this huge flying saucer craze going on right now and potentially in our own backyard we have our own story where there might be debris found like basically just right up the road and whatnot and at the same time uh george wilcox uh he actually makes a call to colonel william blanchard who is the commanding officer of the roswell Army Airfield, which is R-A-A-F-F, and he says, hey, I got a guy saying this. I already told the media that he's t- telling me it's potentially one of these UFO foundation thingies. Uh, is this one of your crafts? Uh, do you want to come out here and take a look at it? And this is like where like the story starts to become... <laughs> 
less of a story and more down the conspiracy road. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, let me go back to my uh, my notes here. But but for the most part, word gets out. The United States military gets involved at this point. I believe it's the Roswell Army Field personnel is like the main company. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea on military things. But that's the big thing that they're basically going with. The initial thing, and maybe because they the ex- excitement of everything that's going on, they are basically saying we recovered a, a, a flying disc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that that was the terminology, but they also say like it was mostly metal and rub- rubber debris, which at the you know it doesn't to me it's like why would you phrase it that way? But that's all you really know, you know, like earthly mm-hmm. things. It's like rubber and metal. Like you're not gonna try to describe it as like something that's like unknown to you. Correct. Yeah. And what happens is is from here is that they send out the next day, July seventh, they assign uh, Major Jesse Marcel who put a pin on that name that's going to be a very important name later on as well as captain uh sheridan cavett who also put a pin in that name uh to go and get material from the ranch so basically they meet up with mac brazel and this is like a funny part of the story because again whatever narrative you choose to follow uh, you get different stories either it's that day or it's the next day they go out uh, for some reason, um, Jesse Marcel, he drives out in his Jeep, and apparently this Jeep only has one seat and whatnot because the other two, Mac and uh, Cavett, they have to ride horseback out to the oh, ranch wow. or whatnot. Uh, but basically, they go out to the ranch. It becomes too late. They have to stay the night, you know, eating, you know, bushes, baked beans, and, like, Mac Brazel's, like, one-room <laughs> shed or whatever out in the middle of nowhere and whatnot. And, you know, they start telling, you know, s- stories about, you know, like the shit that they've seen like in the sky and whatnot right kind of hyping themselves up um and then the next day they go to pick up um some of the debris or all of the debris depending on what story you want to believe now sheridan cavett his story kind of like gets forgotten by a lot of a lot of uh, ufologists because he pretty much says he goes yeah it was not much it was just like a bunch of metal and you know a couple sticks of balsa wood and you know some rubber and whatnot like nothing out of the ordinary and it wasn't even a lot like it was enough to fit like in the trunk of the jeep and we're talking about a jeep we're not talking about a fucking four-door rubicon that you can go down to fucking bakersfield chrysler and get or whatever like we're talking about like those old school like cjs that like basically have enough room in the trunk to fit like a lunchbox and a spare tire Uh, so basically what he's saying it was just like maybe like five pounds of debris that fit in the back of this old school jeep now if you talk to jesse marcel he's saying like it's miles and miles long of this like this uh, material that you know we couldn't identify and uh, you get stories of like them like beating the shit out of like this metal that like would crumple up and then go back to like its original form you know they're you know putting it in like a shopping cart and like driving it off the hill like trying to destroy it basically what i'm trying to say is like they're doing a bunch of like jackass like experiments on yeah. it like he's like hello i'm major jesse marcel <laughs> welcome to jackass and i don't know why they were doing this when all they were you know tasked to do was like you know gather up the material and take it back to the base but basically they did a whole fucking episode of jackass to this material <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah uh but then you know, you have those two conflicting stories. So it's just like, it's a weird, again, a weird narrative that you're having to piece together because you have two conflicting pieces of information. Uh, So basically, 
July 8th, um, the what art was going down is they get the materials back from, you know, Mac Brazel and Jesse Marcel and, you know, Captain Sheridan Cavett. And the public information officer, Mr. Walter Hott, uh, says in the press, he says, The many rumors regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence office of the 509th Bomb Group of <clears throat> the 8th Air Force, Roswell Army Field, was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through cooperation of one of the local ranchers and the sheriff's, sheriff's offices of Chavez County. Uh, the flying object landed on a ranch near Roswell sometime last week. Not having phone facilities, the rancher stored the disc until such time he was able to contact the sheriff's office, who in turn notified Major Jesse Marcel of the 509th Bomb Group Intelligence Office. So basically what he's saying in the media is that, yes, we have possession of a flying saucer. Yeah. And they basically run with this. Uh, this is like, this is, I mean, I can only imagine if something like this, like, broke out in today's media. The Roswell Daily Record ran the story of the crash and the UFO. They do call it a saucer. You get that crazy audio. We should probably use it at the beginning of the episode where it's like that dude talking like, a uh, saucer has been found in the New Mexico desert. Uh, like, And it's like, pretty wild like honestly if i heard that today like if you got like an alert right now from cnn or whatever media whatever lord you follow <laughs> um <laughs> rumble yeah you know like telling fox news said that donald trump said that according to <laughs> fucking putin we have saucers so like you know whatever you want to believe you get that news alert and it says that the United States Army has recovered a flying saucer. That is pretty fucking crazy, you know, like, things to run. This is the one thing where it's like, I don't put it past the media to be sensational and try to be like, well, maybe they said something that, you know, looked like a flying saucer and, like, you know, whatever is like, you know, it looks like a flying saucer. We don't know. We'll look into it. Um, and they took that and said, he said flying saucer, bam. Mm-hmm. Done. We're running that. Like, like that is kind of the media's role to try to be sensational and to sell newspapers. Like, that is a big thing. Um, but, I mean, it was still, like, that was the story that was reported. That was, like, technically, if you look it up, that, mm-hmm. that, was, the, that was the news clip that came out, like, with some backing from the, the military at the time. But how much the, the military actually said, hey, we found a saucer... It's kind of, that's another one of those things that's up for debate, like how much they were actually saying it's a saucer. Yeah, and I think it's important to know, like I said at the beginning of this episode, like when we talk about flying saucers or UFOs, our minds automatically default to alien, extraterrestrial and whatnot. And there was still that contingent. I don't want to like, you know, rewrite history and make it sound like that's not what it was. But that was one of the competing, you know, theories was like, okay, are these flying saucers, are they from another planet or whatnot, right? But for the most part, we were living in that anxiety of like, oh shit, you know, post-World War II uh, America, you know, like we're at a cold war with the Soviet Union. We know that they're spying on us. We're spying on them. They have Nazi technology. We have Nazi technology. All these things that are going on. Oh, yeah, the fucking atomic bombs out there. Like, we are exi- whole existence could end at any moment. What is going on? They're living in a whole new world right now, right? And we also, it's also important to note that this time frame, this is also a time frame after the 4th of July, 
which is a federal fucking holiday. You're dealing with a situation, like I said, where very Independence Day, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. I can I can only imagine that that the writers of Independence Day didn't take a lot of inspiration from yeah. this, right? Uh, but anyway, Jesse Marcel's all like, "Welcome to Earth." He's <laughs> <laughs> actually Will Smith. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, you're looking at a time frame that where a lot of people are on leave. You have a situation where the sheriff concurrently is letting the military and the media know at the same time we have this fucking yokel farmer, this sheep farmer, saying that he potentially has a flying disc in his possession. So what I'm trying to say is, is like that's a race of trying to get the actual story out. There's not enough time to vet this. It's not enough time to test the materials. And basically you're going to have the military trying to do uh, PR in a short amount of time with a skeleton crew. There was a lot of people on leave. So that way when they went to go pick up the saucer or whatever debris that they found, um, you know, they didn't have enough time to vet it. They had to beat the media with this press conference and maybe that when he came out with it, when they said flying disc, mm-hmm. you know, they were saying that in that wasn't, it didn't go through the proper channels uh, to be verified or not or whatever. So it could have been, you know, not to try, not to try to give the, um, the skeptics, you know, too much do here, but it is possible. You have to live in this reality that due to the fact that a lot of people were on leave for the 4th of July holiday weekend, that it, you know, this kind of PR accident could have happened. Uh, now, it's also important to note that the very next day, July 9th, a press conference was actually uh, called by General 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 Roger Ramey uh, and his chief of staff, Mr. Colonel Thomas DeBose, mm-hmm. and um, Weather Officer Irving Newton, who came out and said, "You know what? After further testing." Uh, we have come to the conclusion that it was not a flying disc. Uh, the debris was actually a weather balloon, and similar radar targets uh, found within the debris have been used in 80 other weather stations across America. Yeah, um, yeah, that was that was the big thing. That was the you know the U.S. coming back, reversing that, saying that the flying saucers. Not, is that where you're going with this? Mm-hmm. Basically, reversing their story. They have that famous picture of uh, Major Marcel holding a piece of, like, what looks to be just, like, tinfoil or, like, that fireproof blanket material. Yeah. And he's holding it, and he's kind of, like, smiling or whatever. Uh, there's This this becomes a very interesting picture because he's also holding a piece of paper in his hand. Yeah. That becomes its own, like, lore right there. This picture becomes very famous. But... You see this, and they're basically saying, no, just debris from from the the weather balloon, like nothing to look at here, guys, which also seems very strange. Like, like this is not like media the way media is now. Like, like, like now it's like, yeah, if somebody posts posts something like, yeah, we found aliens, like you right away have to be like, no, that's not true. Hold on, you're fucking lying. This seems like a very quick like. You need to kill that story right now. Like that's incorrect, and I could see why. Like let's let's just say hypothetically, the United States did find an alien craft, it completely intact. Why would you want your like? Why would you want? This is the middle of the Cold War. Why would you want them like your enemies to know that you have alien technology now? Correct. This goes all the way to like current times where like, you know, David Grush or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. David Grosh. I can't. I don't know what his name is. Grush, maybe. Well, yeah. 
perfect. Um, he basically talked about how he he says that the United States has multiple crafts, like in its position. And he, they asked him like, was the Roswell one one woman? He's like, I can't comment on whether it is or not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. Anytime like you have all these like military folks that are just like very like no trust me something's going on there like i can't tell you and like i have become a little bit skeptical but that was the big turning point basically saying nah there was no aliens here and really for a while well, not even aliens just not it oh, wasn't sorry. A, it wasn't a flying saucer it wasn't a flying saucer and and really for a, for quite some time this story kind of goes away everybody's like, well, that was dumb. You know, Mm. multiple things like to just happen, like not really a big story. And you got to note too, like this is also a time frame when there was high trust in the government at this time. So this is like, all right, this is what the government's saying. Okay. This is what we're going to go with and whatnot. Right. It wasn't always skeptical hippo eyes, whatever, like, you know, the government released something or whatnot. Right. Yeah. And, um, again, I don't want to keep saying this, but I have to keep saying this. This is, again, like where the story, you know, takes a lot of twists and turns and has different narratives. Um, the debris that was picked up from Brazel's ranch obviously went back to the Air Force or the military base in Roswell. From there, it was supposed to be shipped to Fort Worth, Texas, where it was supposed to be further analyzed. And then from Fort Worth, it was supposed to go to D.C., you know, that whole situation where it's just like, okay, it's we, we, if it's a really a flying saucer, if this is really alien or extraterrestrial technology or even Soviet technology, we need to reverse engineer this and determine whether or not this is a threat to national security. So it was going through its chain of commands and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, depending on whose story you listen to, and Jesse Marcel's story or stories, I should say, are used heavily in ufologist lore um, originally Jesse Marcel says that, yep, I was the pilot that flew that debris from Roswell to Fort Worth. As it turns out, like he never flew. Uh, he goes, no, no. What I really meant to say is like was actually accompanying the debris uh, from Roswell to Fort Worth. As it turns out, he wasn't really on the plane. You know, so you get these conflicting stories from Jesse Marcel, who was one of the witnesses or one of the firsthand people to see the actual, you know, wreckage debris. Uh, coming up with, you know, different stories. Meanwhile, you have um, Cabot, who is also there, who says, like, no, none of that's true. It was just a bunch of rubber and sticks and whatnot. Like, I, you know, it fit in the back of the Jeep, and that was all it was and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. And then you also have um, Robert uh, Porter, who also worked at the RAFF, uh, who was a flight engineer, who was part of the crew who actually loaded uh, the debris on the flight from Fort Worth um, or from Roswell to Fort Worth, who described it being wrapped in paper and being lightweight, probably no more than two or three pounds. So it wasn't like this miles and miles and miles of debris, but more or less like something that you would get like from a butcher shop, like wrapped in like brown paper and whatnot. Right. So um, there's that. Uh, and then also, too, you get the story from General Jesse Marcel saying that when he went to take the photo, he was kind of being coached by his superiors on what to do. He said, you're not to speak to the media whatsoever, but we're going to show you the debris and you're going to take a picture. And, you know, that's the end of it. We're going to say this is a weather balloon and whatnot. Right. And the actual picture that you see, and I'll put it, you know, in the YouTube and whatnot. And it's, 
you know, right there on the Wikipedia page or whatnot. Like it's him, he describes as being in shock because of the debris that's being laid in front of him, the debris that he's holding and the paper and whatnot. He says basically that that is not the debris that I found at Brazel's Ranch. Yeah, I got to admit, if I saw what he's holding in his hand, uh, I would just be like, that looks like a giant, like, nothing. Like, I don't know. It, just, it literally looks like tinfoil just, like, laid out on, <laughs> on like, someone just shredded tinfoil and said, like, yep, that's it. That's what they found. Yeah, and apparently it was, that material is from an actual weather balloon and whatnot, right? But what he stands by all the way up until his death, I believe, like, in 1986, is what was shown in that picture is not what we found uh, in that wreckage. Now, we mentioned it a little bit, too, that Brazel, uh, his official statement that's out there, you know, you know, on record is that, you know, all he found was a bunch of rubber st- uh, strips, tinfoil, uh, paper, uh, sticks with a bunch of scotch tape with and then some other tape with like, you know, purple flowers on it and whatnot. Uh, very terrestrial things. Nothing that, you know, indicates, you know, extraterrestrials. And when you think about it, like it sounds like a child's kite. Yeah. You know, when you talk about it, minus, you know, the the metal supposedly that was, you know, able to retract back to its original position after, you know, they did the jackass Bam Margera test with it. You know, I do think like if you found something that like this doesn't resemble like what I'm used to seeing, like this is not what metal usually does. Metal Mm -hmm. doesn't just like fold up and, you know, like you would probably want to be like, this is fucking crazy. Like, like. You know, you probably aren't now. We probably think like this fucking thing is radioactive. Yeah, like I'm gonna either turn into Spider Man or have fucking like kidney cancer here in a minute. Like it, it ain't gonna go well. Yeah, like I'm gonna start peeing blood. Yeah, start peeing blood again. Yeah, that's uh, that's fucking not, not um, not something that uh, like that would be out of the question. Like if I saw something fucking trippy like that. I'd want to play with it too. I'd be like, that's fucking crazy. Even like things that we have on earth. Like, have you ever seen, um, I think it's called like, it's basically like air, but it's like solid air. Oh wow. Uh, I don't know what it's called. It's, I think it's, it's called air gel. Um, but it's like, it, that shit that you put in Nikes or something. Let, or let like me, those let pump me, shoes? let me, uh, pull up a picture of it, but it looks completely foreign to what, like to anything we have on earth. But it it is man made air gel, um. So it like let me pull up a picture. So it's basically that they look like cubes, but it's literally just it's so light that it it's basically just air, like you're basically holding a cube of air. Wow. And uh, not that I don't know what that is, but these are this is air gel right here, and like it's super trippy. But that is something. That's a that, real thing. That's a real thing. Yeah, air gel look it up it's crazy i i first heard about it from neil degrasse tyson oh wow because apparently like he owns some air gel oh okay he's like uh he would yeah he's like bragging to like other nerds about like owning (laughs) air gel but um but if i found some air gel i'd be like this is fucking crazy like what else can this thing do like Mm -hmm. it's like i'm holding something but it's not really there like there's no weight to it it's the weight of candy yeah it's like this is fucking (laughs) trippy um, yeah, I'd, I'd also want to fucking mess around, like, see if it catches on fire. Like, at the end of the day, you know, you're just Beavis and Butthead. Like, yeah, yeah, I was like, what, what can, what would Beavis and Butthead do if they found a UFO <laughs> yeah. crap? Like, they're lighting that shit on fire, they're fucking crumbling it up, seeing what, what happens, you know, like, 
I'm surprised these guys didn't stick it up their ass. Like it, it was like, <laughs> it's it's possible like, they yeah. did. Yeah, that's the story they don't tell. Or whatever. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, but, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, dude. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I that's my take on it. Like, mm-hmm. I do think that that's not out of the question. If you found something trippy like that, you'd probably want to mess with it too, see what it is. Possibly, yeah, yeah. I mean, because that's the st- that's the question I kept thinking in my head. It's just like. You were just ta- you're military people too, so you were just tasked on you know collecting and bringing it back as soon as possible. Why are you doing all these jackass tests to it and whatnot? But yeah, I mean you're right. You know you're you're probably like a twenty. They're probably twenty two, twenty three, twenty four at this time. I think Mac Brazel, he's barely like forty at this time. Hell, I'm almost forty at this time. I'd mm-hmm. probably do the same shit too. You're absolutely yeah. right. Um, but it does go to say to go back to um, Mac Brazel's story. Uh, like I was saying, like when he was in the sheriff's office, the media was contacting the sheriff to get the story. If you go down UFO, ufologist uh, lore, uh, they say that Mac Brazel actually talked to the media before he talked to the military. And there's this whole recorded story of his firsthand account of everything that happened and that um, before that could hit the news wire, which means it goes out to, you know, the rest of the world at this time, um, you know, because by the time he was get he got done telling his story, it was too late for it to hit the five o'clock news wire. So, yeah. you know, they had to wait till the next morning that that's when the military was able to get involved. And they actually told the FCC to call uh, the radio station and newspaper that did the review and tell them, hey, if you release this story, we'll immediately revoke your uh your communications license and you will never be able to broadcast again. So they had to permanently, you know, retract, you know, his story. What ended up happening is they ended up taking quote, quote unquote, taking Mac Brazel into custody illegally uh, and holding him in custody for, I believe it was like something crazy for like 40 days. Um, Some people say that he was deprived of water, food, uh, they were doing medical tests on his body because he was doing all these jackass experiments <laughs> to, yeah. you know, uh, the debris and whatnot. So they had to make sure he, like, you know, he didn't have, like, you know, testicular cancer or was growing, like, a fucking Godzilla tumor out of his side yeah. of his fucking, fucking body. Fucking tentacle coming out of his yeah. eyeball. Yeah. Make sure there's no fucking, you know, uh, a radio communication device in his anus or whatever. So they were yeah. playing with his butthole a bunch and shit. A lot of crazy stories like that or whatever, right? Uh, but basically, once he got out of military custody, his story changed. Like, no, nah, dude, it was just a bunch of balsa wood and tinfoil. Uh, yeah, it wasn't that much or whatever. Yeah. I just thought, you know, I'd jump on the flying saucer bandwagon and whatnot. And um, this part of the story is true where, like, he lived by very simple means and didn't have a lot of money. But after he was released from military custody. All of a sudden he had a brand new Ford F one fifty, like super duty platinum edition. He sold the ranch and went and bought property that was well out of his means. And he didn't speak to the media again for years, decades. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I don't know where it, it like originally the original story is. You'd mentioned the tape and all that stuff. And like the, the things that, and they're like, one of the things that you'll hear is, well, the reason why there were little symbols on the tape on, like, why things were taped together. By the way, who the fuck is making weather balloons with, like, tapes and sticks and stuff <laughs> like that? Like, like, all right. That's, like, well, did a fucking child make this? Like, he's yeah. making weather balloons or whatever. If this is the same weather balloon that, you know, not to spoil the lead later on, but 
we would later find out was apparently carrying dummies. And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? You were making these like weather balloons with like tape from fucking home goods or whatever. Like what's the one hobby lobby? <laughs> like you found the, the, cl- hey, the but they made shit tape. better back then. Okay. <laughs> it was, this like, wasn't the 99 <laughs> cent store version of scotch tape. I uh, uh, no, no, no. It's just like, you know, they, so one of the things that pops up is that some of the symbols had hieroglyphics written on them, right? Mm-hmm. You'll hear that story all the time. Minus it, the animals, yeah. Yeah, so they'll always point out saying, oh, the reason why you see that is because the tape that we we're using was like the Christmas clearance tape, and we were just using that tape, and it had little pictures of little trees and, and like candy canes and things on them, and that's why you see hieroglyphics. Not because like they were actual hieroglyphics, it's just the tape had little stickers on them. Mm-hmm. And we and, get that story that that there was you know stuff on the tape from Jesse Marcel's son, uh, because before they took the stuff back to the base, on his way home to the base, he stopped by his house, woke up his wife and daughter and son, and was like, "Hey, check out all this material I found and whatnot." And the son was like, "Yeah, I saw the tape." And it had like a purple hue to it, and it had like hieroglyphic writing on it, minus the animals. Yeah. Now, again, if we're gonna go down that path of like, oh, it was Clarence Christmas tape. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible because he was like woken up at like two o'clock in the morning, and he was like, "What the fuck are you showing me, Dad? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to go to sleep before you know the fucking, you know, the radio, you know, comes back on and shit." They claim that they tried like writing it down themselves, like the the hieroglyphics or whatever. So he has like a blueprint of what it looked like. I don't know if like how true that is. I don't know even if I showed you something like, "Hey, check out this picture of uh, fucking Leonardo fighting Superfly over here or whatever." <laughs> like like uh in like, you know, you waited like 3 or 4 days or a week or 3 weeks or whatever and it's like, "Okay, now try to recreate that picture." You'd probably not do the greatest job, you no, know. Yeah, and yeah. I do think that that is kind of like, well, how, how when did he recreate these things? Did he recreate them the night of? Was he tracing it? Or was he like, did he wait a couple of days after? Because that's a big fucking detail. Like, that's not a nothing detail. That's a huge I, I agree. P- part of the pie. So, you know, the whole, like, I went home and showed my kids, and now my kid has, like, his version of the story, you know, interesting. But for the most part, you know, this was a story that went away for a long time. Like, this was just on the shelf. For, for a very, very long time. Yeah. And, you know, really wasn't until the 1970s, really almost even the 80s, where, like, the story starts cooking again. Yeah, and I think like, that's a good spot where we should pick up for part two of this. But one thing I want to throw out there, too, and not to, you know, get into the theories before we jump into yeah, that. Yeah, no, I think it's a good time to talk, discuss about, you know, at least up to this point where mm-hmm. we think things are. Yeah, when they mentioned the, the hieroglyphics and whatnot, like on the scotch tape, or whatever tape is being used. <laughs> Who knows if like <laughs> they even said scotch tape. If that's just a game of telephone and scotch tape got placed in there. But Well, they just say tape. They, I don't think they... Oh, I it, saw scotch tape. Scotch tape. Yeah. Okay, so I... I Hold on. Th- I believe that is the government's position that they used tape. tape. And the reason why it had the little markings on it was because it was like Christmas tape. From Woolworths. Well, I guess, yeah, Scotch Tape was uh, founded in 1930, so it's possible it could have came out that time. But um, um, when they said there's hieroglyphics on it, again, what I said earlier about, like, when we said flying saucers or flying discs back in 1947, 
We didn't automatically default back to it being aliens like we did today or extraterrestrial. We were very much in the position of like, oh shit, could this be Soviet technology? When you look at Russian writing, like their alphabet, that very much looks like if you're going to say hieroglyphics minus the fucking animals, uh-huh. like it very much could look, resemble uh, hieroglyphics when you look at like the Russian well, alphabet. Well, they have like the backwards R. <laughs> yeah. The like corn. Yeah. Corn backwards <laughs> R. <laughs> and like they have like like a W with like a little X over it and all this stuff. They have like. Hold on, let me bring it up real quick. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. The Russian alphabet looks fucking hieroglyphic yeah. as fuck. I mean, I th- I gotta admit, like, I, I don't think it looks that crazy. Like, I um, I think it looks foreign, like for sure. But um, let me uh, let me look it up. But, uh, I mean, you could kind of tell, like, the A is still an A kind of thing. Like, shouldn't puzzle you too much. Like, it's some of it looks pretty crazy. I guess, uh, what letter is this? J, <laughs> the, the one that's like a little X with a line through it. Like, yeah, that looks pretty crazy. But, um, but it shouldn't be, like, like that mind boggling, I guess. And mm-hmm. even if it is like, you know, that one kid writes down that he saw the hieroglyphics and actually now that I look at it. Some of some of them are kind of trippy. Like F. Yeah. Is that what it is? Like F it looks like the symbol of like a fucking orange with a sword through. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it is, it is trippier for sure. I don't know about like to the point where I'd be like confused by like, what the letter V looks like. <laughs> but then again, though, like 1947, like he's, there's no internet. So it's like, how, how are you going to know what that is beforehand yeah. and whatnot? Right. So, um, I guess up to this point, again, like I said, like, I don't, I don't think that necessarily at this point it could have been aliens, but it's definitely like the, like when you look at it, like how fast the government was going to like cover this up, or come out with a story or retract a statement. They're definitely hiding something. Uh, there's, in my mind, no doubt about that. One of the things that I've always like not wanted to cover this story was because I was like, uh, it was it was nothing. Like it was going to be a nothing thing, you know. Like, but the more I actually looked into this one, I was like, there's something here. Like there's there is like the government the. the we talked about this on like episode three, like what makes for a good conspiracy? Like it's the things that make you like, like question, like what? That doesn't make any sense. Like, and there's so many moments of that, like of even like the tape thing. It's like, that's weird. Why would the, why would you guys be using tape? Why would there like, you know, up, up to this point, there's not a lot of talk of bodies really. Yeah. None whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Later on, not only not to spoil the lead too much, but I do think that that's a big point we should get into in the second episode. But bodies come up and think like, and like what the government later admits to is like contradicts so many things that were already out there. Like it makes it worse. Like the cover up almost sounds worse than the actual story. So it's yeah. like, so. I don't know. Like, I went from being like, oh, we're going to fucking find out. Like, the Battle of Los Angeles story, I've that's one of the ones that, like, I'm always like, I want to cover it. But in my th- thoughts and opinions, like, I almost think that there's nothing there. Like, people just fucking saw a fucking plane and freaked out or something. <laughs> uh, and 
And I thought that's what this was going to be. Like, I was I was like, oh, they fucking saw a weather balloon and, like, probably nothing happened. But the more I look at it, I was like, they might have seen something. Like, this is way too much, like, nonsense from the government and from everyone else. Like, everybody is, like, saying the most random things here. And, like, there's so much misinformation. And some of the people that are that later on start coming out and saying, hey, that's not true are people within the government, which, like, makes it even worse. But I, I got to admit, it is a very convoluted, like, story. There's so much, like, finger-pointing. Everybody has their version of the truth. Like, it's... Correct. And even, like, people like Jesse Marcel, and we'll get in more to it in episode two, <clears throat> like, when he starts to become a bigger figure, like, a lot of the shit that he says contradicts even things that he says earlier. So it's like, can you even trust the guy that was even there to pick up the wreckage to begin with? And then it's funny to me, like, and it gets mentioned in um, another podcast that I listened to where it's just like, oh, yeah, there was a whole other person there, a whole other third person there uh, helping to clean up that wreckage. And he kind of, like, contradicts everything that Jesse Marcel says. So to me, like, it's like this war of of what actually happened and whatnot, right? I mean, easily if it was just, um, you know, Brazel there and he went radio silent, maybe you can say that, like, okay, yeah, he just wanted to be a part of, like, the hubbub of, like, the 1947, you know, UFO craze, you know, inserted himself into that conversation because he found, like, a weird weather balloon or kite on his ranch and then, you know, got embarrassed because it's like, oh, shit, you know, it got debunked immediately. I'm going to stay quiet or whatnot. I'm going to go get myself an F-150, (laughs) sell a couple, uh, talk to a few reporters, you know, sell my story for a couple thousand dollars, get myself a platinum edition F-150, and then move up the street. Ranch edition. Oh, yeah, man, with the big old, like, center (laughs) console so I can put Put two big gulps Put some big old longhorns on the the hood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, um, and then, you know, go into obscurity for the rest of time or whatever. You can, you can, go off of that but like when everybody involved kind of tells like a different story and acts a little funny like you mentioned it like you said the episode three like where we talk about like what makes a good conspiracy when you start to see all these red flags it it kind of reminded me of like that meme uh, that i saw a couple days ago where like um it's a picture of a restroom door with like obviously like somebody like ran through it or whatever and like you see the toilet in the background and the caption says, like, I when I when you tell your girlfriend that Papa John's is calling, <laughs> <laughs> should I answer it? And obviously it's like, you know, the girlfriend, you know, breaking through the door to get her phone before her boyfriend does, right? Because uh-huh. it's her Sancha, her side piece calling, yeah. not Papa John and whatnot. The military kind of has like that similar response where it's just like Instead of like letting like the news cycle grab the fact like oh shit another another flying saucer was found on this crazy you know sheep ranchers uh, property and let it, instead of letting like the news cycle carry it and then like just playing the silent game or whatnot they kind of rush to it and fumble over the finish line to re- retcon the story which is very skeptical in itself yeah yeah definitely a lot of a lot of red flags and I think if you're even like remotely a uh, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist, but like, you know, if you even like question the government, like I think most people, you have to question the government a little bit. Like there's no way the government is telling you everything. I mean, they really shouldn't tell you everything because there should be keeping secrets from the general public uh, at least a little bit. Like you got to keep your cards close, you know, <clears throat> and not even just from the general public, but just like in the world as, as a whole. 
you yeah. know, because you got to think back at this time, like we're dealing with a world that is war torn. You know, you have whole fucking societies that are like have crumbled. They're living in rubble and they're doing whatever they can to, you know, get back up to prominence. Germany, you know, it's been split two ways. You know, you have the Iron Curtain. Uh, you have the Soviet Union. We're at a fucking space race. Like it's just us in the Soviet Union. You know, then you have, uh, you know, the rebuilding of Japan and whatnot. So you should be keeping if you have all these secrets, you should be keeping them close to the vest. If it's just you and another guy another, you know, nation, you know, as the only two superpowers in the world. Mm -hmm. So you definitely should be keeping secrets. Yeah. Anyways. Good spot to... Good spot to end it. We'll pick up next week in, like, the 1970s, late 70s. Yes. And uh, we'll go from there. There you go. Uh, But with that said, guys... Do you want to, if you have anything else to add to this, if you want to add to the millions of stories that are out there about uh, Roswell, New Mexico, again... It's wild trying to put together like this fucking episode, like trying to have a through line narrative and whatnot, right? If you have your own narrative that you've heard that you want to share with us, guys, hit us up on all the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America, except for Twitter. We are at Art and Jacob Do One. Uh, if you want to help support this podcast, guys, go to patreon.com slash Art and Jacob Do America, where every single week we put together a bonus episode for your listening pleasure. And nine times out of ten, those episodes that you hear on the p- Patreon are better than the actual episode that you're hearing today for free. So if you like us here, you'll probably love us over there. So go on over there, support us, $1, $2, whatever you want to donate. It goes a long way. Uh, if you want to support us in any other way, uh, head on over to the website, rnjacobdoamerica.com. Follow the merch links where we currently have four designs up for your listening pleasure. So if you're visiting you know, Roswell, New Mexico, if you're going to that McDonald's that's shaped like a fucking flying saucer <laughs> and you're wearing a uh, Arn Jacob Do America t-shirt, uh, maybe somebody working behind the counter or somebody that's ordering a galactic Big Mac, if you will. Uh, we'll see that t-shirt, download our episode, increase our li- listenership. It will help us tremendously. It's not so much to help us financially as we probably see a couple cents from every shirt um, sold over there. But it goes a long way in helping promote the podcast because you are a walking billboard, if you will. Uh, if you want to hear other great podcasts, guys, I highly recommend heading on over to podbelly.com where we are official members of the Podbelly Network. So go ahead and check out other great podcasts such as our boys over at the Sofa King Podcast. Our boy Dave Moten who actually did an episode about alien abductions where he thinks he got alien abducted or whatever. Someone he played, got got. Yeah, he, someone played with his butthole. Yeah. He and was peeing blood for a while, dude. He was. Uh, so check out that episode. Check out them. He talks about that quite a bit on that show. Uh, check out uh, Hillbilly Horror Stories as well as Robots for Eyes and Paranormal Punchers. Well, that said, Art, I guess I'll see you next week to finish this off. See you next off. week, man. I I am pretty excited because I do. I got to admit, this is a topic we put off for a long time, and I'm surprised that it was as interesting and is as interesting as, as it is. Dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm frustrated but glad we covered it because it's like there's it was hard to put together. Yeah. But I'm glad we're doing it. I'm glad we're tackling it because I do think part two, possibly part three, yeah. it gets even more interesting. So. Yeah, definitely, like, all the fun stuff happens later on. Because this is all just the setup, like, mm-hmm. but all the fun stuff happens later on. Yeah, so with that said, guys, we'll see you next week.